Hello and welcome to episode 310 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is a guest that doesn't need an introduction. Yes, it's an absolute legend and I'm pinching myself that this interview happened. It's a dream come true and I can't believe it, but yes, Peter Doherty has joined me on today's episode of Mark and Me. On this interview, we focus on his brand new film. It's directed by his wife Katia and is called Peter Doherty, Stranger in My Own Skin. It's absolutely brilliant. It blows your mind on how much intimacy they have shared on the camera. You go through the real bad patches of Peter's life, but honestly, it has a happy ending and we can see how he's come clean. That's not a spoiler, it's all over the media right now. And if you're listening to this, go and see it. There are performance times probably local to you. It won't be on every big screen. You know what it's like. Go and see these films while you can. Go and give them the attention they deserve and you will not regret it. It's brilliant. It's not an easy watch, but it's brilliant, and it's raw, and it's true. So amazing work by Katia, Peter's wife, and obviously Peter for allowing us to go out and the world to see his life. Also, we do talk about the Libertines, we talk about his music, and everything else that you normally get from a chat on Mark and Me. It's a great chat, and I'm really proud of it. And if you want to watch the interview, it's on YouTube right now. It's only been up 24 hours, but it's already my most viewed video I've put out in a month. It's beaten Biffy Clyro, it's beaten Dave Lombardo, it's unbelievable stats, and I'm so grateful for everyone that's watched it. And if you do check it out on YouTube, remember to give it the thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. That's how I'm going to grow that and give everyone more and more videos. But before I get to the interview with me and Peter Doherty today, what I do want to do is touch base and talk about my last episode. It was another legend from the music industry, Dave Lombardo. What an amazing guy. Again, this was also on YouTube and the response was huge. A massive thank you for Dave for sharing it, for Empire State Bastard for sharing it. It's gone huge numbers wise and I just want to say how grateful I am to everyone that's listened and all the new listeners that have jumped on board because of that interview. But today it's all about Pete Doherty and I can't wait to get to the interview. So let's do it. Here's me and Peter Doherty talking all things music. Did you see the stylish kids in the riot? Shovel the black monk said the night on fire wombles bleed. Truncheons and shields, you know I cherish you, my love. But there's a rumor spread nasty disease around town. So Pete, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Nee bother, nice to be here. Nice what I love to uh, do with all guests that come on the show is take it right back to the very start. So what I'm really interested in is when you were a kid, what was that first album that you remember buying or being given to you that made you fall in love with music? I think you meant the very start of the universe. Then. I was going to say <laughs> my, physics is, my physics is terrible. Um, uh, I think there was there was a, I can just, I can distinctly remember a moment when um, my mum was asking me to Hoover, help her to Hoover. Maybe I was eight or nine, um, and we were living in it must have been Germany. So I thought well, it was eight or nine. Maybe it was Northern Ireland. I remember. She put a record on the record player. She put on one of the um, remember the big Beatles albums, the red one and the blue one, sixty-two to sixty-six. Yeah, and uh, whichever one Ticket to Ride was on, I remember she put that on the record player. So yeah, look, it's easy. You can dance while you do the while you do do the hoovering. And I was being all grumpy, like you know, 
a kid who wants to go out and play football and his mum's making him help with the housework. Yeah, you know, it's just like, you know, it seemed like a very cruel world all of a sudden. And then Ticket to Ride came on. And all of a sudden, housework didn't seem like such a chore. You know what I mean? No, no, just the, hearing that, that guitar sound. First of all, the little crackle of the record player and then that guitar sound. You know what I mean? Bum, bum, dum, 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 dum. Oh, that's Day Tripper. Sorry. Down, 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 down. And he like, picks out that like, A7. It was just, it was more than like a a musical awakening. It was almost like, I think, a religious experience, like the sound and then the, the vocal melody and and just putting it on again and again. You know what I mean? Before I even got to the rest of the the songs and I think I knew I knew the Beals just from you know we'd sing Yellow Submarine at school like you know the head headmistress would play it on the piano and we would just sit cross-legged in assembly and things like that but yeah so that that sticks in my mind but first records I think there was a when we were um, when we were in Cyprus um, my dad was posted there for two years there was um, the big thing then was like pirated cassettes and for like 50 Cypriot cents, you could get like a, you know, your small plastic cassette cover with a really badly photocopied cover. I remember and them a, well. Yeah. And so I think it, so that must have been 1987, 1988. And I seem to remember getting a copy of the Def Leppard album, the one that had the sort of triangle on the front yeah. with like a, a skull. Um, I can't remember what it was called. Hysteria, I think it was called. And, uh, it was a kid called Damien Rooney who had that and an Iron Maiden tape. And um, and he lent me them. And I took them home. I was really into it. There was a... That's great. Thanks very much. And um, again, my mum features in this one because she she took one look at the... She obviously heard the racket coming from my room. I was playing it on my sister's pink ghetto <laughs> blaster. And, uh, she was like, what's that bloody awful noise? And then she saw the the photocopied covers of all these skeletons and she said you can't listen to that it's satanic it's the devil's music that's exactly what she said she said, it's anti- she said it was anti-christian and uh i had to go back around to damien rooney's uh and give him his tapes back but i used to go around occasionally and listen and he also had the prince the pirate prince tape i think bad by michael jackson everyone well. had that that cassette was classic yeah. that white cover yeah that's uh, we just went, you know, with his funny pose with his glove in the leather jacket. So iconic. And uh, I think we just kind of listened to them on repeat, really, doing weird, weird dancing. And it seemed to me Damien Rooney and his brother used to like be quite good at skateboarding, but I wasn't allowed to skateboard because that was anti-Christian as well, apparently. Even but, skateboarding but even was against <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, no, wow. no. It was just well, it was it was dangerous anyway. It was something like that. Yeah, it wasn't so. Uh, so it was around the Rooney's house, and and in fact was that I think Damien Rooney fancied my sister, so that was my my ticket in to the bigger boys' uh, parlor. I love it. What about live music? Because for me, I'm 41 now, so in the 90s I got to see Green Day in Wolverhampton as one of my first gigs, and I couldn't believe how powerful they were, and the three of them made so much noise. But what was that first gig that you remember as a kid or as a young adult that you thought, was that, I want to do was this? That the, yeah, was that at the Civic Hall? It was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a bit of a late comer, really, to 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 live music. I was uh, it wasn't really in my sort of at home. It wasn't really a thing, you know, the the music world. And um, at school, when I, I went to school for a while in Coventry, so when I was I got there when I was about sixteen, and uh, it was Britpop was exploding everywhere. 
and people would be going off to concerts like I think my sister went to see Oasis, people going to see Echo Belly, Blur, Pulp, coming back with the T-shirts, you know, always at the Civic Hall or Leicester de Montford or people who go as far as Sheffield. And, um, and I was sort of conscious of not, not, not really being allowed to, you know, sort of trusted to go out at that age and like being sort of confined to the barracks a bit. But there were a couple of forays, like, and for me, they were like sacred, more like pilgrimages than going to a concert. I think Morrissey was playing the Battersea Power Station. Um, I think I was 17 and it was such a massive deal. So it was a huge Smith's head by that point. But obviously the idea of ever seeing a band like the Smiths who like, had come to sort of define me in my vision of myself and my relationship with the world seemed, uh, well, was impossible because they'd obviously disbanded right, when I was, a, you know, not in double figures yet. So same with bands like the Specials, Pistols, um, you know, hadn't reformed by that time. And no chance of seeing these, these amazing would have been thousands of years ago. So when the chance came to see Morrissey, it was... Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty nuts. Me and my mate Dandiaf, who I had a band with called uh, the Peepsters when we were 17. And uh, we went down, we got there so early. Uh, I think Cast were playing as well. Know if they were supporting or, but we got right down the front dead early. Like, uh, and then, uh, really just couldn't contain ourselves. We just like over the, when he, when Morris came on over the barrier on the stage and, uh, we got a good kick in by security as well. Totally worth uh, it though. Oh yeah, completely. So much so that we ended up, well, he didn't, but I did. I ended up just, uh, didn't go home. He was playing Chester Leisure Centre the next night and I went straight up there, slept, slept in Birmingham New Street Station, went to Chester Leisure Centre. Somehow I managed to get in. I didn't have a ticket, but I was like, Maybe I'd met someone at the Battersea gig. And so that was the two days. It was one of my first real sort of adventures. And yeah, uh, the atmosphere was unbelievable like for me. I was a big football fan at the time as well. And uh don't think I ever realised how that sort of mosh pit feeling, you know, it was a time when they were taking the seats out, uh, taking the terraces out and putting all the seats in the stadiums. And I really felt something was getting lost in the atmosphere of football, you know, because for me it was all about, you know, not all about, but, you know, I do like the game, but it was the atmosphere, like, yeah. you know, the bodies melting into each other, like, the camaraderie, the, like, the singing, basically. And uh, that's what I was experiencing at, at the concert as well, you know, it wasn't just the love of the music, it was this camaraderie and uh, just this, all these bodies writhing as one in unison and and I thought, fuck, this is, yeah, I don't, I, I want to do this forever. I want to just keep this feeling going as long as I can. And I think I'm still chasing that. <laughs> still chasing that feeling. I, I loved it in the film when I was watching it last night that you compared, you know, the, the gig experience to the football ground and everyone being as one in like a a sort of, you know, church of noise and everyone being kind of surrounded and all in one singing together. And you forget about that at sporting events. You always think about it of concerts and gigs, but you forget that, you know, rugby and football and stuff, everyone is together singing. Absolutely, yeah. It's a pri it's something primeval, I think, as well. Like something essential. It's an outlet. Yeah. In a lot of ways for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, not to say that I don't enjoy quiet gigs. Do you know what I mean? You sit down and listen to listen and enjoy some music because I do. You know, I wouldn't say these days to make myself like sound like an old git, but 
particularly look like from the other angle now. I do like to be able to play quiet songs and people to actually listen. You know what I mean? Rather than like, oh, get your knob out. Or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm getting older. I like to sit down at a gig now so I can actually I enjoy my you beer know, and sit at a table. You know what I mean? It's like, will you, will you stop enjoying yourself? Yeah, you're having too much fun. Quiet down. Yeah, yeah. Are you able to turn the camera up just slightly? Um, at the moment, I'm chopping your head off, and I'm like, that's better. Look at that. Is that all right? That's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And can you put the yeah, mic a bit closer know. as well? It's really quiet at times. It's just... Now you're probably... Yeah, that's... Look at that. <laughs> Do you feel like Britney Spears with the head mic? In many ways, I feel like Britney Spears, like... I, I won't follow that uh, a parallel up to its horny, smutty conclusion. But, um, oh, okay. Right, let's talk Stranger in My Own Skin because I was lucky enough to see an advanced screen. Obviously, you had the premiere and uh, everyone's talking about it at the moment. But what I really um, loved about it is that you got your wife, obviously, involved who filmed it over sort of 10 years. But how did it come about to have that conversation of actually, look, we've got all this footage, 200 hours worth of footage. Let's actually make it into a film. Yeah, can I just, I'm not being pedantic, but can I just jump in there? Of course. Um, it's, not, it's not like a... I've got my my wife of involved. Course. She's she's no, she's got you know what I mean. She's got me involved. Yeah, you know what I mean. This was supposed to be my um, my weekend away, like watching her, like sitting back in her room while she does all the legwork. But she's got me, like, running around doing all the promo and stuff. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, she's kind of wrote me in rather than uh, <laughs> than me getting her involved. That's the way it feels. Um, the footage, yeah, I think she's she's just very dedicated. Uh, to her craft yeah i think i mean it wasn't she didn't want to just do some vox pop uh what's the word i'm looking for puff piece you know what i mean she had the she thinks she had a vision she just i think she, she denies it or she's loath to admit it but i think she had an idea from the start definitely in her heart that i could i could lead maybe a different type of life to the one i was living at that time, I mean, it's a hell of a gamble, really. If you're going to make a, you make a film that, is, in a very broad way, is about someone getting clean or cleaner, then, uh, which I think is why it took so long to come out as well. Because when she sort of really started to try and get it together um, with the production companies and the the editors, that was must have been like 2019, 2020, where I just I stopped taking. Uh, heroin and crack and and so I think she probably had to wait a few years just to make sure that you know I could because it'd be really embarrassing for her first of all if I was to you know get right back on the uh right right back on the horse you know and end up like locked up or dead you know after she's released this film with which basically has a kind of happy ending I mean you know um yeah I don't know really I mean you really have to talk to her about the stuff to do with the footage and the and the editing, I'm I'm just thinking about the she, she does talk quite a lot about the amount of hours of footage she's got. I mean, a lot of, it adds up though because quite a few, quite a lot of that is where she's at one point she might have hired four or five cameras to film a certain gig. Yeah, do you know what I mean? 
so it all adds up as footage. But she always she keeps saying I have overheard her in interviews saying that um, you can't make you know you you can't make a, a half decent documentary with you know a couple of hours of footage unless you're the luckiest filmmaker in the world. You know what I mean? She says often she'd be filming for weeks and that she'd get nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Would she so, come and see you and be like, "Look, are you happy for me to put this in or share footage and say what do you think of this?" Or were you kind of just like, "I'll leave and trust this with you"? Change that happened really. I think that there was there was a lot of it that we had this sort of idea that this idea a long time ago, before really the documentary idea where we were going to do a we wrote some scripts together and we used to get mostly friends because uh, the things that she could never ever film like. Uh, Inside prison, for yeah. example, like trying to capture those scenes in my life, or inside the the uh, the van that takes you from the the uh, police station, the sweat box takes you from the police station to the court where some interesting things had happened, and she wanted to. She was like, "I wish we could film that." So, well, let's recreate it. And other things like a uh, police station and crack houses as well, where you just can't film. You know, so we tried to recreate some of that. So we wrote scripts and got people like to act them out. None of that made the final cut, though. No. I think the production company um didn't want any of that they thought it was a bit strange it was a, it was quite strange actually kind of trippy and uh and weird and a bit dark but that was really my initial interest in being involved the other stuff i'd just say well when we became mates and i'd find myself in paris or she'd be in london doing something else because she worked a lot in uh in england at that time with the kubrick uh foundation with uh, Stanley Kubrick's widow, Christian, she'd stay there a lot, and uh, she she was like working with their archives, which is another reason I really trusted her as well because I knew how how um, private and sort of purist Christian Kubrick was with a you know with Stanley's yeah. work and his reputation, and so the fact she was trusted with like you know kind of the keys to everything and to edit stuff. I thought this girl must have something special about her. So I never doubted that. And anyway, so when she'd be in England, I would, I'd invite her around basically. And uh, we'd sort of just film crazy things mostly that I wanted preserving and someone I could trust. And she wasn't really so much interested, didn't really seem so much interested in that. Like some of my stunts or like, you know, weird, like, Basically, like taking a guitar into the forest and stuff like that. It's more like the the day to day creative stuff and something that's very difficult to film. You know what I mean? Someone just sitting and writing. uh, I'm not sure, really, even if it's possible to be completely natural until you've got you know a year's worth of trust and friendship built up. Um, How did it feel watching it back? Were you kind of like? The whole world now can kind of see my diary for the whole world to read. I think I did that a long time ago, really. Yeah. Give give the world my diary. Yeah. Yeah. From day one, I think. But a lot of people aren't. You know, they're not that way inclined. They don't read books, or they haven't got the uh, the interest, or the, it's just not a part of their. For me, it was all. It's all about the written word. You know. What I mean, I don't. Not really. I find that I find that a very powerful thing, you know. I never thought that I never thought I succeeded visually 
you know, been able to express myself. Never really been happy with videos. Although I will say this isn't a plug, but the new Liver Scene single, <laughs> Run Run Run, which is out now. The video for that with Jeff Bell. Yeah, Jeff Bell plays the taxi driver. It's it's probably one of the best videos we've ever done. Um, so where were we? Watching it back, I suppose, what was your reaction when it was all put together as a whole piece of work and a piece of yeah, art? I, I, I don't know, really. It's a bit confusing. We fell out a little bit, me and Katie. I probably shouldn't say this, but I said, look, what? I didn't really understand what it was about. Do you know what I mean? I thought, she got the right arm. She was like, what are you talking about? Shut up. I spent hours on this. <laughs> no, it's just, we spent years on it, but... Um, it's a little bit, a little bit close to home for me, you know. Maybe it is a bit too too personal. I mean, yeah, and also I can just see how confused. Well, not so much see, but I can hear in my voice a lot of the time how confused I am. It's like I can see me, but I know that I know that I've just had a pipe five minutes before she's. You know what I mean? Before that bit, and I can just see my mind's a bit warped, and I'm not what I'm saying isn't really to be adjusted. Um, which, in a way, is a helpful thing. One of the things that made me give up, like using our drugs, was those moments where I really pushed it too far, and I could kind of see no way forward or back or sideways. Just like I felt fucked. I'm like crippled my soul, and there's no way out of this moment that's that was the nightmare and those moments get, got longer and longer as time went on yeah there, there are some very very funny moments in there as well do you know what i mean i love all me, your was... um your artwork that we got to see there because obviously we can't always see your artwork or have access to it but it's incredible i didn't realize how much art you did and some of those pieces are just stunning i was hoping that one day i can buy a book of them all together because you're a genius dude those pieces of art are amazing oh, nice one, Mark. Mm. you meant to say i'm going to bring out a book real soon for you mark and it's going to have loads of say, artwork i was going to say i'll send you something but i say that and my manager gets to write you and he's like you can't just send them a six grand like piece of art and i'm like oh well i've said it now i have to send it do you think you'll ever have a book a book. Another book full of um, artwork so you can actually have it. I suppose so. I mean, those things, I mean, I think they're there, but they're normally as brochures. I had something at the Dusseldorf. Uh, There's a really swanky uh, art museum in Dusseldorf, and they put on quite a, uh, it's quite a show, actually. It's just like this, there's a, a little community of collectors, this guy in LA and a couple of German guys who over the years have been, I mean, real, frankly, like, really helping me out. I buy my art over the years when I've been like right on my ass, but also I've been preserving this stuff and keeping it, you know, all together. Yeah. And so they've been putting it together. Uh, and recently I did it in Dusseldorf and I did a little acoustic show there and there's all these bits. It was just, I don't know. It was, it was a bit like watching, watching documentary. There's so much of my life on these canvases so many lost artifacts as well that things that I thought had been long stolen. Well, they had, but they'd been sold on online and then it got back to these collectors who, you know, hats, coats, sticks, guitars, all this stuff, like mannequins, like, you know, um, Gladys's sister, Gladys is the mannequin we have at the Albion Rooms Hotel in Margate, but she had a sister, um, 
a black twin basically and uh, she turned up all graffiti and sort of like pearly queen white um, mother of pearl on this black plastic skin and uh, all that poem scratched into a I think they did a brochure I think it was even free and that was quite nicely done you know what I mean so there's those there are those I prefer them just really simple yeah simple good quality uh, uh, pictures of the art and then just a number and a title that's the one thing that, that the only thing that upset me was the titles they swear a lot of them just had been untitled they decided to title them themselves that's a criminal yeah you know what I mean and then I mean and of course the famous you know because some some are, I like to think of my titles can be quite witty and they've tried to sort of ape that style by references to things in the picture but you know, I'm not sure the famous famous German sense of humour was. Uh, yeah, it didn't was line up weird. well. I, I was going around with I was going, I was going around with a pen, <laughs> scribbling it all out, just putting new titles. I said, "You can't call it that." You know what that means in English? <laughs> You'll never stop being creative, will you? Obviously, writing songs is in your blood. You'll do it for the rest of your life. But I wondered if you ever thought of doing something like directing a film or writing a film or a, a film score, because obviously with the Libertines, you're going to be very busy for the next few years. But I just wondered, I reckon there's a film in you. I reckon there's a story to be told for the, for us to see, you know, as a vision instead of just audio. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm definitely up for offers. <laughs> if, one, if, one of your, if one of your five million uh, listeners is working on something, needs my guidance or uh, my velvet touch or an iron hand, I can do it all. You know, one man job. I feel like, I feel like uh, what's his name? Chief Wiggum. You know Chief Wiggum. <laughs> you, know, you know the episode when Ned Flanders goes goes out with a Hollywood actress. Yes. You know one, and Chief Wiggum pulls him over, and he's like, "Here's my headshot. Here's my headshot." And it's got his four like acting poses. Um, but yeah, no, I can do it all. Yeah, absolutely, up for anything. Um, I am actually working on a music uh, score. Is this an exclusive? Uh, actually, yeah. Do you know what? I don't even know if I'm supposed to say it. Uh, but it started, so it's probably out there. Well, I mean, in the in the small world of French. French uh, B movies, but absolutely, absolute, yeah, absolute dream. Um, yeah, I think what it what what it is. I feel like I have quite a wide. I mean, I've worked with a fair few talented people in my time, and obviously now we've got the label Strap Originals. We're sort of like trying to mine some of the finest young talent. Knocking about, including Pre Goblin, whose album came out recently. Look at this plugin. That, 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 again, that's not a plug. This is a genuine, like, call to arms for anyone who still believes in British music. The Pre Goblin album is, is, well, is amazing. I'm writing this down now. So you're plugging loads. So I want a piece of artwork from your manager sending to me to say thank right. you for the plugin. Who do you send me? I'll do a little, I can do this image I've got you now. Just glasses, the microphone, headphones. Yeah. If we, can get a screen, if we get a screenshot of that. I could do something with that, I think, yeah. And then I'll use it for my artwork going forwards. Okay. How's okay. that? Yeah, yeah. Or well, you do your paint it yourself. I'm not, but I'll use your art as my logo oh, or my thing going forward. Everywhere I go, okay. everyone will be like, oh, I love that logo you've got. And I'll be like, Pete Doherty did that for me. Well, when he was five? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called, it's my, it's my new school of art, the infantile school of art. 
Use potato no, no, no. shapes or something. Make it really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I've got a, no. I think a nice, good, simple pencil and ink sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I might hold you to this because a lot of bands come here and they say. No, oh, no, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to. I wouldn't say I'll do it if I won't. Wow. That is one thing about me. I do. I do stick to my word to a fault. I'm owed I'm... so many albums, signed vinyls, gig tickets, backstage passes. No one ever follows through. It's probably a postal area. Probably your neighbour's got a massive pile say, building his up. His eBay account is huge. So I suppose what I'm really interested in as well is obviously you've just announced and we can plug this. Uh, the Libertines obviously got a new album. We've got a bit of a wait yet. We've got the single, but the album's not till next year. How does it feel right now to be completely clean doing the Libertines, going out there with a completely fresh face, thinking to yourself, let's do it all again? Wow. Well, okay, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, oh, I'm going to get myself, make myself all emotional here, but... Um, I see Carl's face, the way he looks at me yeah. when I'm clean is um, yeah. It's just, I mean, addiction's a powerful, what it's called an illness, uh, for want of a better word. But yeah, this, the, that would be one of its foes. I think who would be like the look of. It's not. It's not the same with with uh, Katia or my mum or, or other people I've been close to. Because even when I was at my lowest, they were still, you know, they could still, I wouldn't say tolerate me, but would be there, you know, for me. Um, Carl couldn't. He couldn't even see me when I was living like that, you know. And I didn't care. It's such as nature addiction, but you know, for him it was a really important thing. So for him how to you know or he just maybe he won't actually say it but he'll just you know, sort of give me like a thump on the on the shoulder and sort of like look away and say hey, yeah you're looking all right mate when i know what he's saying is i like to think what he's saying is um you know well done yeah. basically massive pat on the back. yeah basically you know, you know i mean sometimes it takes for him to get you know out of it himself in order to to really speak his heart, but because he's sober, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because he's sober, he can't, you know. I don't think we'd have tears before half 11 cheers, this morning. Cheers, cheers before, uh, before lunch. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too self-indulgent when people listen to this thing. It was just like narcissistic freak. But, you know, you're asking me questions about myself and I'm answering And them, I'm interested and I've got uh, only good intentions and I, I'm a fan so, of your music and so, your film. So, so. so I say it, I say it tentatively, but honestly, it's it's pretty amazing. Really, it's a bit pretty amazing time, you know, because if it does go tits up, you know, I think we'll look at this time as a sort of golden period, really, probably more so than than even the beginning, which we achieved so many dreams. But actually, you know, in in achieving them, right, it tore us apart as well in lots of ways. Whereas now we're everything is a little more. I wouldn't say deliberate, but I don't want to say deliberate or ordered because it makes it sound. As if it's lacking something uh, raw, but it's not. It's like just 
I don't know how to describe it. Maybe it's a bit of a, a bit like feeling like uh, maybe that game Tetris where you had to fit everything in. I still play that now with my wife. How bad is that? <laughs> <laughs> we have two player and try and beat each other's score. Everyone else has got these incredible right. PlayStations and we're sitting there trying to line up the best boxes. But you know that amazing feeling, you know, when you get a, just a, that really long one that fits right into the shape and you suddenly like get four lines at once. Feels a little bit like that. You know, whereas I think actually for a long time I actually enjoyed anti Tetris if there's such a thing. Just fuck it. Let it all let it all rain down. Let it all build up. You know what I mean? Who says everything has to fit into place? Yeah. Um and nothing beats that feeling, does it, of the long one that's full red and it suddenly goes in and then it's like flashes it. and it's yeah. like ah oh, Yeah. <laughs> that was worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. So yeah, I love him. I love him so much, you know, Carl. Really, and uh, I just feel blessed that we've managed to come this to make this uh, this this revolution, this cycle of. You know, he's like he's got his, his two boys like, down in Margate, and he's you know tinkering around with well, tinkering around. He's you know running the hotel. And he's, I think he's having a nightclub as well. He's becoming some sort of property mogul down there. Do you know what I mean? Cafes, nightclub, Crazy. hotels. Yeah. He's, uh, you know what I mean? He's, yeah, I rate him, actually. I really rate him. Are we going to get any uh, more UK shows from you guys? Yeah, we got something down in Margate for the... Uh... I've seen that for a couple of nights in December. But I was hoping for like a yeah. massive big tour next year or something. Yeah. I reckon it's all on the cards, I think. I mean, I suppose it's on the horizon or in the post. Uh, so I think maybe it depends really on how the album drops. Well, I've got a feeling, though, this might have been the best thing we've done. Uh, definitely there's three or four songs on there that are as, as good as anything we've written. If, if not better... Then at least I think the recording or the the tempo. I mean, some I think some of our best songs, "Time for Heroes," I think is is pretty much perfect. But you see, "Don't Look Back Into the Sun," can't stand me now. I love them, but I think they're a little bit fast. The tempo, like when you hear them now, it's like, what the fuck are you on? Like, <laughs> so I feel like we've kept that guitar, that raw guitar sound, but just it's got a bit more swagger now. Teasing us, we've got ages to wait. Yeah. I know, no leaks either yet, which is good, which is rare. I've got literally time for one more question, I'm being told. So what I do on this podcast is everyone that comes on gets to choose the final piece of music that's played. So I've had Anthony Hopkins, Kevin Smith, Mads Mikkelsen, all these different people from different walks of life, but they all get the same question. So after our interviews all wrapped up today, what song would you love to be played by any artist, any band, any piece of music? Really? Wow, Talk about putting you on the spot. No, 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 this is a great question. There's so many songs that if I could hear right now, I'd love to. Uh, but, um, uh, one of, uh, part of me wants to go with uh, Making Time by Creation because of its connection to the, the film. And I love that song. So if you can play that in the future at any point for me, I'll definitely be doing that artwork for you, which I already am. But I think... Now, with a slight twinge of melancholy in my heart, I think I'm going to have to go for a Towns Van Sant song. It's going to have to be Pancho and Lefty or Waiting Around to Die. Nah, it's kind of an impossible choice. Uh, 
Maybe there's a live version where he runs from one into the other. I could mix Um, it. I could have both. Sign of. Um, I could start the interview with a little snippet of one and then end with. Uh... No, 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 it's got to be the whole song. Otherwise, it's that you know, they're stories. These songs you can't have snippets. So you probably want the shorter one. No, But you. um, People have chose twenty-two minute B sides from Yoko Ono. So you choose. really okay. Well, can I have waiting around to die and Pancho and Lefty? If you give me a piece of artwork, I'll put both back to back. How's that for a deal? Let All right, I'm not. I'm not you something out. I'm not you something out after this. All right, but I need a screenshot of this. This exact <laughs> me do angle. it now, okay? Okay. One sec. There we go. I've took a shot, so I will send it across. Send it to uh, to Lottie. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Nice talking to you. It's been a pleasure. I hope one day our paths can meet in person. Yeah. I'll buy you a coffee and we'll sit down and continue talking. All right. Thank Nice you so one, much Mark. for your time. No trouble. Take care. Lots of love. Bye. Mark, you did look dapper in your mother's old green scarf with your famous auntie Arthur's trousers on. You slap by that slapper. Now we all laugh. She loved the loudest. So there it is, what an amazing guy, someone that I think is completely misrepresented in the press. People are too quick to criticise Pete Doherty, he's had his bad times, he's had his criticism, but he's living an amazing life now, he was an amazing person to interview, so kind, just absolutely lovely, and it really meant a lot for him to give me his time. He doesn't do a lot of press, you don't see him doing many interviews, so to know that he gave his time to Mark and me and we had this amazing moment was a dream come true. And hey, if I do get that artwork from him, I promise to share it on all my socials and I will be keeping it framed and very safe and treasure it for the rest of my life. If you're new now because of this interview and you now want to subscribe to Mark and Me, you can do this on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music and on Spotify. All the links are on markandme.com and if you're enjoying today's episode, why not share it? Mark and Me is a one-man team. People forget this. They think I have a manager or a PR manager or a media manager. I don't. It's literally me. I record, I produce and I put the episodes out all myself. And all I ask in support for these free episodes is just for you guys out there just to share it. If you're on Twitter, hit that retweet button. If you're on Facebook, hit the share button. And if you're on Instagram, just honestly like it. It then helps the algorithm, gets more people to see it, jump on board, and then before you know it, I've got more new listeners. And that's because of you guys sharing it at home. I also have a Patreon account set up and that's another way of supporting the podcast. If you want to give me a couple of pounds each month, in return you get badges, stickers, a welcome pack, a newsletter, exclusive episodes called The Lost Tapes and much more. And all that money that comes in via Patreon goes right back into the podcast, allows me to travel the country, go to festivals, movie screenings and record all these interviews which means basically more podcasts for you guys at home. Also, I have two sponsors of the podcast that I want to give a shout out to. Firstly, The Folio Society, my favourite book company in the world. If you're in the market for some beautiful Christmas presents or amazing books, go and check them out on foliosociety.com. And not only that, Richer Sounds. These guys have supported me for a long time and they are truly the best company out there if you're buying a TV, a Sonos, a home cinema system, some headphones. Go and check them out on richersounds.com and thanks to both those companies for sponsoring Mark and me each and every month. 
I'll be back in only a few days' time with another brand new episode, but as I said, I am working very hard behind the scenes on my YouTube channel. I've given you nine interviews in one month, and they're doing really well. So if you've listened to today and now want to go and watch it, please do. It's markandme.com on YouTube. Give it the thumbs up, hit the share button on there, hit the subscribe, and I'll be back with a brand new episode in a couple of days' time. Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road is taking me Sometimes I don't even know the reason why But I guess I keep a gambling Lots of booze and lots of rambling Well it's easier than just waiting around to die All one time friends I had a ma, even had a pa Well he beat her with a belt once cause she cried She told him to take care of me, headed down to Tennessee Well it's easier than just waiting around to die Came age and I found a girl in a Tuscaloosa bar Oh, she cleaned me out and hit it on the slide Well, I tried to kill the pain I bought some wine and hopped a train Seemed easier than just waiting around to die And a friend said he knew where some easy money was We robbed a man and brother did we fly But the posse caught up with me and drug me back to Muskogee And it's two long years of waiting around to die Oh, but now I'm out of prison I got me a friend at last He don't drink or steal or cheat or lie Oh, his name's Codeine He's the nicest thing I've seen Well, together we're gonna wait around and die Yeah, together we're gonna wait around and die Living on the road, my friend Was gonna keep you free and clean Now you wear your skin like iron Your breath's as hard as kerosene You weren't your mama's only boy But her favorite one, it seems She began to cry when you said goodbye Sank into your dreams Pancho was abandoned boys, his horse was fast as polished steel. 
Wars gun outside his pants All the honest world to feel Pancho met his match, you know On the deserts down in Mexico And nobody heard his dying words That's the way it goes And all the federales say They could have had him any day only let him hang around Out of kindness, I suppose Well, Lefty, he can't sing the blues All night long like he used to The dusty poncho bit down south Ended up in Lefty's mouth The day they laid poor poncho low Lefty split for Ohio where he got the bread to go Oh, there ain't nobody knows And all the federales say They could have had him any day And only let him slip away Out of kindness, I suppose Tell how Pancho fell Lefty's living in a cheap hotel The desert's quiet and Cleveland's cold So the story ends, we're told Pancho needs your prayers, it's true Save a few for Lefty too He just did what he had to do Oh, now he's growing old Could have had him any day Only let him go so wrong Out of kindness, I suppose A few great federales say They could have had him any day They only let him go so wrong Out of kindness, I suppose Ciao.